This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 140 of the Dressage Radio Show. Hello and welcome to the program. On this week's show, we're going to hear from Faraho Kohai, who's from the United Arab Emirates, and we will hear about the challenges she faces competing in the Middle East, as well as her dreams and aspirations. But first, we have some news from the Horse Radio Network. We have been nominated as a finalist in the broadcast category for the Equestrian Social Media Awards, but we would like your help to make the final cut against some very stiff opposition. So we would uh, ask you, if you would, to go to our website at dressageradio.com, where you can follow the link to the Equestrian Social Media Awards website, where you can then find the category for broadcast media and click on our nomination there. We welcome your support. And the uh, live Horses in the Morning show here on the network will be hosting the awards show in March. So we hope you'll support us, as you always do, by taking a minute to go over and voting for us. That link is at dressageradio.com. My guest this week is the first and only dressage rider to represent the United Arab Emirates, Farah al Kahai. Farah made her international debut at the 2010 Asian Games in China, where she finished 13th and then went on to win a bronze medal in the Pan-Arab Games in Doha, Qatar, in 2011. Although she lives in Dubai, she has advanced her dressage skills in Germany and has high hopes for the future. I recently caught up with Farah to find out more about this little-known international rider from the Middle East. Welcome to the show. It's lovely to have you on the show, Farah. Your first time here. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. You have certain disadvantages to competing based in the Middle East, don't you? Yes. Well, I mean, it's a very new sport. I mean, horsemanship and horse riding's been in our tradition for a very long time. Um, but the sports, well, the disciplines that dominate that are obviously the flat racing, the endurance racing and now show jumping is, is coming up very, very big. And it has been for many number of years. So the dressage is still pretty much unknown. And when I was growing up, unless you jumped or did endurance, you didn't ride. So that was the attitude. <laughs> you weren't considered a rider. Um, but slowly, slowly it's coming. And I'm hoping that with my influence here, um, more and people start looking towards the discipline because it's such a wonderful discipline and such an important discipline. Well, I know when you, you began, I read somewhere that jumping wasn't for you. You, you didn't like no. to leave the ground. So no. <laughs> endur endurance or dressage were safe options for you. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm the biggest coward on earth. <laughs> and anything above a trotting pole, I'm afraid, gets, uh, gets me quite nervous. Even when I'm watching them, I don't know how they dare go over these jumps. But uh, no, dressage is definitely for me. So I, I love it completely. And when I saw it first time, I thought, this is what I want to do. Well, you didn't grow up in a horsey family, did you? I think, it, didn't you become no, the, the not... pioneer, the equestrian pioneer in your <laughs> yes. family? 
uh, I'm, I'm sure they regret it now, <laughs> those first pony lessons. But yeah, uh, my, my family's not horsey at all. Um, I started, you know, I've always loved horses and uh, we used to visit England every summer when I was growing up as a child. And obviously you have the pony clubs there, which I got involved with. Um, but it was only a summer thing, a summer hobby. Because um, once I got back here, as I said, you know, it was either jump, jump, jump or nothing. Um, and then, you know, school comes in and university. So it was only after my first child that I really started to get back into it. And the sport had developed slightly. So it had the opportunities there for me. So you were raised in Dubai, of course, but you were educated in London, weren't you? Yes. Well, I did all my schooling here in Dubai. Um, and then I went to the London School of Economics and studied politics um, there for three years. And then I came back. So you came back and, and then, of course, you have an, a young family now, don't you? Yes, two, two, yes. Two, two small boys. So Correct. What, what was it that was the turning point Then you decided, well, I've got to get back into horses somehow and it's going to be dressage? It was, yes, it was my son's first pony ride that <laughs> took me back to the stables. <laughs> and, um, and then it was giving him more pony rides. And then I thought, oh, I fancy having a lesson. And I had a lesson and I wanted two lessons. And I'm very competitive um, by nature. So it didn't just stop there. It wanted to compete and then I needed a horse. And now we've gone full blown into it. (laughs) (laughs) No no turning back now, huh? No, there isn't. There isn't at all. But I love it. This is this is what uh, what I absolutely love doing. So I'm really happy and I'm glad that I have the opportunity to do it. Well, let's talk about the opportunities there, Farah, because th- as I said earlier, they, they are limited being in, yes. in Dubai. What is the yes. structure of the system there and what are the competitive opportunities for you? Right. Um, well, it's it's come along over the years. Uh, I mean, when I, I mean, a few years ago, there was hardly one competition a month. Now we've got nearly one every fortnight, uh, which is a big jump forward. Um, the international competitions don't exist, but we do have, and we contribute to the FEI World Challenge, um, which was developed by the FEI for countries such as the UAE where you have limited opportunities so it's and then you go on to a world ranking so we we do quite well with that um and then obviously there's the end of year championships unfortunately there's not many locals that participate in this sport still and it's still only me and I think somebody else at a novice level um, it's predominantly uh, expat housewives that were dressage riders or had some knowledge of dressage from their home countries, such as the States, Australia and Europe. Um, so they're, they have, uh, you know, they're bringing the standards up a little bit. Now, logistically, another problem for us here is that once you have a horse, it's very difficult to sell a horse. And importing is costly because, you know, you're traveling usually from Europe to here. So traditionally, they've used ex-race horses or ex-endurance horses or ex-show jumpers, which tend to be the broken down horses that uh, do the flat work. Again, that's changing a little bit and people are investing in better quality horses and now starting to import them. So there is a change and I'm hoping it will change faster than it has done for the better of the sport. So are horses kept privately for uh, sport horses, that is, and or do you have them in an equestrian 
uh, stable uh, a center if you will yes no there are various centers and i have to say they are of very good quality here um very much comparable to european standards and some even better um so the quality of care for the horse is very very good um it's still the general uh, there's still a lot of educating that needs to be done in terms of surfaces that you can ride on and you need and luckily most of the clubs are starting to have these very good surfaces uh, put down so it is it is a, a community that's definitely moving forward in the right direction and in terms of the care what nationality would the grooms be in those riding clubs for us yes Grooms are are normally uh, what you know sort of laborers if you think if you so they are usually Indians and Pakistanis and Bangladeshis um and they've been trained or you know obviously like in all countries some are better trained than others but they they really many of your european standard grooms that are grooms come riders as well um they're just purely laborers well, you started to take this very seriously, as you said, and you got yourself a horse. Tell us how you how you got the dressage horse, and and what took you to Germany? To you decided that you needed to go amongst mm. the experts to to learn your yes. way here. How did that all come about, and how did you make those choices, uh, Farah? Well, it was very difficult. Um, it was. I realised that I needed more training, um, and um, at the time, I had a horse locally, but it wasn't of any sort of caliber to compete internationally. Um, so I literally called many of the stables all around Europe, um, and I said I didn't have a horse, but I would like training on one of their horses if it was possible. And obviously on these big yards, the the answers I got was no, 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 unless you have your own horse. Um, and a friend of mine, uh, she just bought a horse from PSI, the auction, from uh, Paul Schockermuller and Ulrich Kesselman. And she said, why don't you try the PSI people? I said, you must be joking. No way will they take me. <laughs> so lo and behold, she said, well, you've, everybody said no, you have nothing to lose. So I called them up and I spoke to Uli Kasselman and he was absolutely wonderful. And he said, sure, come and then we'll see what happens from there. And that's really what took me to Germany and, and more, moreover, what took me to the Kasselman yard in Germany. And since then... Um, I've been going every summer for the past four summers and I've bought my horses through him. So I'm really, really happy. Fantastic horses and great service. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, obviously showcasing their, uh, their enterprise and, and how, it's, yes. how you're benefiting from that. Tell us yes. about those horses then that you now have in, and what you're doing with them, Farah. Well, one of the great things about um, the Castleman Yard as well is not only that they've got the horses and the service, and, but they can supply you with the training. And he's always willing to part exchange, which very few people do. So I've, I've actually had three horses from him. Um, the latest I have here in Dubai with me now, which I competed uh, recently at the Arab Games. Uh, but before that, I had two horses prior and I just worked myself up. And because I had the training, I was quickly outgrowing some of the first horse. And then the second horse I went to the Asian Games with. Um, and then I wanted to change that for something younger. So that's how I've sort of gone through the horses. So hopefully the horse I have now I keep for a while. Um, 
but yeah, so that's that's the great advantage of dealing with an organisation as 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 the Castleman Yard. Well, tell us about those horses. How are they bred? What sort of age are they? Do you prefer stallions, geldings, or mares? You know, um, I think it's it really depends on the personality. Um, the 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 first horse I had was a mare, uh, and she was of M level, and she she worked very well for me. Um, personally, I always prefer a horse that's more forward going than having to kick, kick, kick all the time. I think that's half half the half the battle of you know if if they're willing to move forward, I'm I'm very happy. I mean, some people prefer the the other type, but I prefer the more forward going. Um, so she was lovely. Um, I then exchanged her for Vattenkika or Whisper. Uh, he was a stallion and he was sixteen going sixteen years old. And he was wonderful for me because he was a real schoolmaster. And that's the horse I competed with at the Asian Games. Um, And when I got back from the Games, purely on an economic, looking at things economically, you know, I thought I'd part exchange him now while I had still some value to him, which I did. Um, And now I have my mare. So she's a younger mare. She's 12. Um, not as experienced as Whisper, obviously, but I think um, a great horse for me for for now and for the future. So I'm thoroughly enjoying her. Now, as you said, you did make your international debut there, um, competing in the Asian Games in right. China in 2010. Finished yes. thirteenth. So congratulations! That must, thank you. That must have been a, a a really special moment. One of those. It was. I was the moments. only. Yes, I was the only one that was uh, doing it for the first time that managed to get to the finals. So I was really pleased. Um, I was very pleased with how Whisper went on the day. And I think that's a true, um, you know, that's why you need such school, good schoolmasters to take, especially through these big competitions. Um, and the standards are quite high now in Asia. Uh, I mean, from if you look back over the past two, three years, they've gone a long way. And the next Asian Games will be on Intermediate One. So it's even getting tougher and harder, you know, the poles rising. So that's great news for the sport in this region. Really raising the bar there. Yes. And then last year, of course, you you went one, you went even better by winning that bronze medal at the Pan-Arab Games in Doha. Correct. Yes. Um, so things are just getting better and better for you, Farah. Yeah. Yes, I think with more training and just being able to ride all the time, you get tremendous experience. I've sort of been plunged in, I've plunged in the deep end, you know. I mean, this takes people years and years to accomplish. So what I'm focusing on now is just the groundwork and the basic work that sometimes we skim um, to get the movements and, you know, get the competition right. So I'm, that's what I'm currently working on at the moment. Um, but hopefully I'm putting in all this training now, not doing too much of the competitions. You know, it's a bit more relaxed being here in the UAE. Um, And then in the summer, we'll be able to start competing once I arrive there. So what is your competition schedule then for this year, Farah? What what, what are your plans? And will you do anything at all before you get to uh, Germany? Germany? Mm. I will do. There is, uh, I mean, there's some small. There are some smaller shows here which I will participate in. There's actually one um, uh, one show that's new to the calendar at a new stable between Abu Dhabi and Alain, and uh, it's called Bodib. 
and they're having um, a, a horse festival. So they're having a week of uh, Arab shows and jump shows. Um, and now they've included dressage and the prize money seems to be very good. So I'm looking forward to that. That's on the 5th of March. Um, and um, yes, I'll just do the local shows here and then be able to go to the summer in Germany. And the, and the nice thing about Germany is you've got a show almost every weekend that you can go to. You know, there's just so many to choose from. So that's the advantage there. Well, you mentioned the prize money there. Give us a sense mm. of what the prize money would be in Dubai. And I know you have sponsorship challenges as well, like uh, riders Maybe. from any countries, don't they? Don't yes, you? yes. Well, the thing is, um, in the UAE, the, the, it's not only that the society is not really heard or, or knows very much about dressage, but also these big companies as well. And when you haven't got so many competitions and we haven't got so many spectators going to see these competitions, it becomes even more difficult trying to get sponsorship. Um, but I've been extremely lucky and fortunate that uh, Dubai Duty Free um, have sponsored me uh, and have helped me um, towards paying some of the bills. Unfortunately, it doesn't pay for everything, but at least it's something and it's a step in the right direction. Um, and I've had them for the past two years. They've been absolutely wonderful. You know, before I got to the Asian Games, when nobody heard of me, they 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 took the plunge and they helped support me. Um, so I'm eternally grateful to them. And I'm hoping now with especially the Arab Games and come, having the bronze under my belt, to be able to go to more companies and and uh, and ask for more sponsorship and help because that's really unfortunately what drains us when we're in the sport. It's a very economic, very very expensive sport to be in. And so you also got some help from Maiden, didn't you? From Maid, yes, Maidan helped me a few years ago. Um, they sent me for the first summer to Mr. Casserman's yard. Um, unfortunately, that's stopped since then. Um, I think the crisis has played its toll. Um, and um, they've still kept the show jumping team. I think it's also, been, it's also been quite challenging being an only person. I think if we had four riders and we were a team, um, I think we would get more attention. So that's why I'm desperately trying to <laughs> get some of the jumpers to convert to dressage <laughs> <laughs> well keep us posted on that won't you Farah <laughs> I will do I will do it's, a, it's hard because they like the adrenaline rush yes and my adrenaline rush is trotting down or cantering down center line and knowing I've got it perfectly straight and they don't think that's quite exciting <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from your riding, of course, you raising a, a small family there, and there's the family business you help in as well. Tell us about yes. that. Well, um, it's 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 a funny old story because I went to university, um, and um, during my second year of university, um, I got married, and my husband, uh, he's from Colombia, actually. He brought his dogs over to Dubai, and. Uh, we realized that there wasn't any decent pet food. Um, so it was an idea to start importing food. And that's how we started initially with the business. Um, so we started importing the EMs and Ukanuba brands from Procter & Gamble. And that's what we did for a long time. And then we started expanding to other accessories, uh, pet accessories, uh, as, a distrib as, as a distribution company. And then over the past six years, we've now gone on to retailing. So we've got four retail shops as well. 
So um, we're in the animal business, but not quite the horse business. <laughs> Is that where you'll head one day, do you think, into the horse business as well to make it a business and well, a hobby? Well, I'm getting extremely frustrated with the tax shop here, <laughs> the local <laughs> tax shop, and I'm extremely tempted to get some decent products in at some reasonable prices so i don't know who knows let's see because <laughs> i would imagine that you know that those kind of supplies that you obviously need the essential supplies would be more mm -hmm. expensive there because everything is imported isn't it Far. Yeah. It is important, and I uh, yes, but you know, there's certain margin. I mean, being in business ourselves, we know what sort of we 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 try and keep our prices similar to that. Um, uh, you know, in other parts of the world, um, if only marginally more more expensive. But these are a little bit too much for my liking. So. <laughs> Now, now, you must be something of an ambassador for equestrian sports too. Do you find that you're generating interest outside of the horse world because of what you're I doing? I am, tremendously. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate that um, the papers and the media have been extremely kind to me and they've been extremely supportive. Um, and the, the, the publicity I have got in the local papers has been quite strong. So I'm really pleased with that. And obviously, it all feeds back to help with sponsorship, um, uh, you know, and, and trying to attract more sponsors to come on board. But definitely, yes, um, you know, especially being a woman and especially being an only one that's doing the sport. Um, so I have had a lot of media attention. Now, tell us about your long-term ambitions then, because it, it is a journey, isn't it? Where it is. Where would you like to end up on that journey? Well, every athlete's absolute goal and dream would be one day to make it to the Olympics. Um, and um, as, as I mentioned to you before, that, that would be something wonderful. Um, at the moment, London obviously is not is not an option. Maybe the next one in 2016. Um, who knows? You know, four years ago, I would never have thought that I would have already gone to the Asian Games and the Arab Games. It was just something that was a dream. Um, so who knows where where this journey takes me? But I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying every day of riding, and that's that's what it's all about. It's being able to go to the stables and spend time with the horses and enjoy yourself uh, but as I said I'm very competitive by nature and I if I do something I want to compete and I want to do the best I can so my short-term goals would be to go to Germany and start getting placed in Germany um, I think that's very rewarding if I can start to be on par with the European level uh, at so then we're talking about pre-St. George Intermediate 1. Um, and who knows, I, I've just bought a, a four-year-old auction horse from the PSI this December. Uh, and I'm, maybe one day he will be my next Grand Prix ho horse. Who knows? But um, I'm looking forward to the journey ahead. Well, I have to ask you then, now, since your son got you back into the stable, is he an yes. aspiring competitor no, himself? No, he is And I thank God he is. <laughs> <laughs> There's only space for one. <laughs> There's only money for one. No, I don't mean it badly. You know, if he wanted to and he, you know, showed the enthusiasm I had at that age, I would, of course, push him and encourage him as much as I could. But he doesn't show that sort of interest. You know, at that age, I was just besotted. You know, if I saw a horse, I'd be sitting there staring at it and wanting to just look at it and touch it. And I'd die for a ride on it. And he's not like that. I think he'd rather be on the golf cart or 
doing other things or looking at the tractors more, you know, than sitting on the horse. So um, at the moment, no, but who knows? Who knows? I think they say the boys generally develop the horse interest later on, not quite like the girls. Uh, that's, that's often so true, isn't it? And <laughs> certainly, I'm sure you're going to be an inspiration to him if he does want to pick it up in later oh, life. He's <laughs> so, so proud. You know, he's always there supporting me and he's they're, they're phenomenal. They really are. And that's why I, I can do it. And I mean, that's why I said the support system has to be there. And for me, it's the family. You know, some husbands wouldn't put up with it, you know, with all the times that I spend away from him and the children. When I was going to the Asian Games, um, it was my mom looking after them for nearly three months because they had to come back to school. So I'm very, very fortunate that I am in the position that I can do all of this. And I thank God for it. And I'm sure you want to mention your husband, Farid, of course, being Colombian. He's, I'm sure he'll be delighted if you did make it to Rio there and he could go back oh, to South, South America. He is, <laughs> he is, he is my, he's, he's a wonderful supporter. He's, he's my top groom, talking about grooms. <laughs> From a man who has never touched a horse in his life, he's now quite good at putting bandages on and saddling up and helping me at shows. So it's, it's amazing, the support and, and the, the family union that this is created it's, it's it's wonderful terrific well it sounds like a wonderful journey you're on farah and i want to wish you, you the very best of luck with it i hope you'll come back again and uh, tell us how I it's going will. i will absolutely anytime uh, it's been a true pleasure thank you so much for having me and that is our show for this week. I'll be bringing you a full report from the CDI Five Star, the Global Dressage Masters from Wellington. And we'll have lots more news, views and interviews with some familiar guests here on the Dressage Radio Show coming to you from Wellington, Florida over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. I hope you'll find a moment to go to our website at dressageradio.com and vote for us in the broadcast category of the Equestrian Social Media Awards. You'll find the link right there on our website, as you will all our show notes for this week's episode. And you can also catch up with us, of course, on Facebook at Dressage Radio Show to leave your comments, questions or suggestions. My email here is chris at horseradionetwork.com if you have any suggestions or questions for me or the guests here on the show. You can listen to the Dressage Radio Show on your smartphone by downloading one of the apps, that's Hallway Feeds or Instacast. I'm Chris Stafford and I'll be back at the same time, same place next week. But for now, thank you for keeping me company. 